Welcome to the second chapter of Hoko Cast, the local podcast brought to you by Howard County Library System. We are here to bring you content on the happenings of Howard County, from Goodreads to time traveling deeds. First, we will journey into the past with a performance from the 2019 National History Day. We never wanted to make a scene. We never wanted to be deemed civil rights pioneers or challenge the Constitution just for the fun or the fame of it. We never wanted this tragedy to come to life for us. No, in fact, that's the thing we least wanted. See, my wife, Mildred Jeter, and I had been good friends since the time I was 17 and she was 11. Both of our families had lived in Caroline County, Virginia for generations. So when Mildred turned 18 and got pregnant, we decided to get married. Little did we know how hard it would be just to get a working marriage license and some time alone. Even more, I don't think anyone at the time realized how important our situation would become to millions of Americans of all different races and genders who just wanted to be accepted for loving who they loved. The year was 1958. At the time, laws banning interracial marriages, or anti-miscegenation laws, had been in place for nearly three centuries. By the law, I was considered a white man and Mildred a colored woman. I knew we couldn't get married in our home state of Virginia because of the anti-miscegenation laws that had been in place there since 1691. So we drove to Washington, D.C. to get a marriage license. No anti-miscegenation laws were in place there. We were happily married in D.C. and ready to begin a life together. We moved back to Virginia to live with my parents, but our joy lasted none than a month. In the wee hours of the morning on July 11th, Richard and I woke to a start as the county sheriff and two deputies burst into our bedroom and put us under arrest. You unlawfully and feloniously did go out of the state for the purpose of being married to Richard Loving, a white person, and with the intention of returning, and was married to this said Richard Loving out of state and afterwards returned to and resided in it, cohabiting as a man and wife against the peace and dignity of the Commonwealth of Virginia. This violates sections 2058 and 2059 of the Virginia Code. This marriage license is no good here. Our performer, Addie Skillman, is a freshman at Howard High School. She attended Elk Ridge Landing Middle School last year, where she won first place at National History Day for her junior individual performance on the court case Loving vs. Virginia. She is very passionate about theater and loves mac and cheese and anything red velvet flavored. Here we are with Addie Skillman. First, could you just briefly describe your topic and the information that you found? Um, I did my research on Loving versus Virginia, which is the 1967 court case that made interracial marriage legal throughout the country. So what made you choose Loving versus Virginia as your subject? Uh, was there a certain aspect that drew you to it? In the beginning of my research, I knew I wanted to do something that had to do with people and how they were treated and how they changed history. I came across Loving versus Virginia while looking at a list of suggested NHD topics. I saw the word loving and was immediately curious. I searched it up and did some basic background research and I found that it was, weirdly enough, a case that did have to do with love. Realizing that bans on interracial marriages were only lifted so recently, I was fascinated with how much this case had impacted our country. And it's still so prevalent in our lives today, but so unfamiliar to a lot of people, which is why I think it's really special and it's a story that needs to be shared. 
What would you say was the most impactful resource in your research process? I had the incredible opportunity of conducting an interview with attorney Philip Hirschkop, who was actually one of the attorneys who fought with and for the Lovings in the Supreme Court and at other times throughout the case's journey through the court system. It was really special to be able to speak with him and get a real firsthand perspective on the court case and the Loving family and what it was like to be in that situation. That's incredible. So uh, what was your research process? Were there times when it seemed you hit a dead end or you weren't sure what to research or where to look? I began my research by just looking at websites, which gave me a lot of great background information. But as I got deeper into my research, I needed to start finding things that would truly help me understand the situation and thoughtfully portray these people and what they were going through. This led me to more primary documents like videos and photos of the Lovings, their arrest warrant, and the transcript of the court case itself, which I actually read, and that was really cool to see the arguments that were made and discussed in court. Wow. I think the fact that you did a monologue is really incredible, really admirable, but could you briefly describe the process of outlining your monologue? Yeah, I started by putting all the possible information I thought was important into chronological order, and I read it aloud and I timed it. The first time I tried, I think it was about 20 minutes long, Um, but over time as I continued to conduct research, I removed things and added other things so that I made sure that I had the most critical information in my script. And why did you decide to choose the monologue format? Theater is my passion, and when I saw that a performance was an option for a school project, I was just thrilled to be able to connect something that I loved with history. Also, I knew that I wanted to tell this story for what it is. I wanted it to be raw and truthful, and I wanted people to be able to understand the struggle and the pain that this couple was going through. And I feel that the easiest way to do that is through a performance. I completely agree. How did you decide which characters or ideas would best represent your research? I knew that in order to make people feel a connection to the Lovings and understand that history does involve real people and real pain and that all of what happened in the past does still affect them, I knew that I wanted to have a lot of my performance from the perspective of Mildred and Richard Loving. And from there, I incorporated other important figures that would help the story move along and make sense. I see. And what would you say was the most challenging part of using this format? The most challenging part was definitely sticking within the time limit. The requirement for NHD is that a performance has to be less than 10 minutes, which seems like a lot. But it was really difficult for me because I had so much information that I wanted to include. And I was just really invested in my topic. There were so many cool sources and facts that I wanted people to know. So the hard part was prioritizing certain parts over others and making sure that everything timed out. Yeah, I completely understand that. It must be, I mean, it definitely is very difficult (laughs) to represent it in that way. So with all that compiled information, did you have to cut a lot from your monologue? Uh, If so, uh, was there anything that you wish you could have kept that you cut? Yeah, I was constantly cutting things and adding things back. There were definitely a lot more quotes from the Lovings and direct quotes from the court case that had to be left out. Um, And how did you feel, though, once you were finished with your project? Were you relieved? Were there certain aspects that you wanted to change? Honestly, until the day Nationals was over, I didn't feel finished with my project. Even in the week leading up to my final performance at runoffs, I was still changing things and adding quotes and blocking just to try to see what would work best. My script was really ever-changing, and it was a challenge not to become too attached to anything that I wrote. 
But then that has to be even more difficult when you are than figuring out what to cut and what to keep. Exactly. Like 10 minutes really is not a lot of time. It isn't, yeah. All right, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. (laughs) After hearing about Addie's performance, keep an eye out for Glenelg High School's own theatrical productions. Coming up soon from March 26th through 29th, Glenelg will be putting on Hairspray, another local story, though fictional, following the journey of Tracy Turnblad as she becomes aware of segregation in her area while trying to chase her dreams. It's sure to be a blast, so we hope to see you there. Now folks, please leave your horse-drawn carriages and monochromatic TVs on the stoop, because there's no time like the present. I'm here to bring you an interview with participants of the Horizon Foundation's Changemakers Challenge, right before they won. Bit of Hoko cast luck, perhaps? Nonetheless, here are Freddie and Orlando with Upcycled. So first of all, thank you for taking the time to answer some questions. Absolutely, of course. Thanks for having us. Of course. So could you summarize your vision? Um, So Upcycled is our way of giving single-use plastic a long-term purpose by turning it into building materials. Uh, We want to provide things like uh, park benches and picnic tables for the parks and even emergency shelters for victims of natural disaster is our end goal. Yeah, and then then I guess our overall vision is to have a uh, more environmentally conscious community, right? Um, Stop the single-use plastic any any way we can and make use of the plastic that we have on Earth. as Orlando knows, and I'm sure you know too, plastic, if it, once it's created, it's here for a long time. Right. So it doesn't go anywhere once it gets made. <laughs> so based on that, what inspires your vision? What were you influenced by just to start this? Um, so before this, we actually ran a community events company uh, that we used to throw events to benefit local businesses and charities. And we one of those events was our trail cleanup, mm-hmm. which we actually really gravitated towards. <laughs> and it kind of was a spinoff of that. And we decided this is what we're passionate about and this is what we want to head towards. So we pivoted and started Upcycled. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, we love the nonprofit aspect of it. And that's kind of like Orlando said, that's what we enjoy more. And um, it's been a great time so far. It's been awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. If you win, what will be the first thing that you do? If we win, uh, we have a lot of equipment that we'll be needing. Uh, more specifically like machines to shred the plastic to melt the plastic down into our brick mold uh we'll need storage space um a lot of research is going to go into this and then just mostly just moving forward from there yeah along with that would just be uh, legal and financial help to kind of get us started off get all our paperwork filed correctly um supplies to make our trail cleanups and then the storage unit so we can actually have somewhere to work out of um, eventually, we're going to build our own facility. That's like one of our first projects we want to do with the bricks is be able to build That's our own awesome. office and storage yeah. unit. But until then, we'll need somewhere to be able to house our recycled plastic. What do you have to say to kids and teens who have ideas but aren't sure to, how to get themselves out there? Try. Um, it's, <laughs> I mean, That's great yeah, I mean, we're from we're from Howard County. We went to Oakland Mills. We grew up in the area. Um, we talked about this earlier that until today, we never. <laughs> even grasp the concept of applying for a grant to start a nonprofit. Um, the more people you talk to, the more you put yourself out there and just try to follow things you like. Yeah, especially in today's you know time, we really have to make the changes that we want to see ourselves. And so if you see something you want to change, you know, go for it and change it because no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah. Right, no, that's important. And finally, do you believe this, I- this idea could spread across the country, across the world? 
That is the goal. Yes, we'd like it to spread globally. Uh, obviously, we're going to start locally, and you know, show everybody what we can do. But the big idea is so, like, for example, the Bahamas got hit by a hurricane pretty bad. So we'd like to be able to ship our bricks to these places where they can rebuild these emergency temporary shelters um, while they're rebuilding. So we would really like to connect Howard County to other communities. And this concept of recycling plastic is popping up across the world. Um, America's a little slow. That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. But there are other areas that they're ready. They're, they're already moving pretty quick, which is great to kind of have some people that we can look to that know what they're doing as well. So it's great that we have not only the knowledge and the drive, but also people that we can also reach out to um, in other areas, which is great. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank yeah, you so thank much. Thank you so much. I can't wait to listen. For your reading pleasure, we'd love to share a few books focusing on different moments in history. Sorry, no smartphones or newfangled devices allowed. Though it may seem like yesterday for some, my recommendation is for a book set in the 1970s. My Friend Dahmer by John Bachdorf is a graphic novel detailing a part of the life of infamous serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. Though true crime novels may seem too long and dry and confusing to digest, the graphic novel format and interesting perspective of My Friend Dahmer makes it accessible for various age groups. The story is wonderfully told and the art is transfixing, combining to create panels you'll need a second look at. If you want to look into the life of a killer before they reached infamy, I'd recommend the historical graphic novel My Friend Dahmer. The Civil War was one of the darkest and most pivotal periods in American history. In the book Civil War Blunders, Author Clint Johnson explores some of the unique perspectives about this important time in our nation's history. Through the many blunders, mistakes, and bra moments that occurred throughout the period of this America's most devastating armed conflict. Through reading this book, Civil War Blunders, I learned a lot both about the individual stories of the people fighting this war and about the overall period itself. If you're interested in history, and particularly in the Civil War, you should read Civil War Blunders by Clint Johnson. As of recently, I've been quite obsessed with the book and movie Warhorse by Michael Morpurgo. Set in World War I, a young boy, Albert, bonds with a horse named Joey. Unfortunately, Joey is sold to the army to prepare for the oncoming war, while Albert makes a promise to find him again. With hope and determination as the only chance of reuniting, follow Joey on his journey through the war in a story about love, perseverance, and more than a few miracles. The book and movie will take you on an emotional roller coaster, so be prepared to cry. It's a beautiful story and a wonderfully done movie that is a pretty accurate perspective of the war told in an interesting way, not to mention it's based off a true story. I would love to recommend the book Max by Sarah Cohen Scally. Max takes place during 1936 Nazi Germany, where pure German women are recruited to give birth to the new race. The main character, a boy named Max, is one of the children produced to this program, and from birth he strives to be a perfect Nazi. But Max's world is shifting. During his tumultuous childhood, he goes from young spy to Nazi recruiter, even befriending a young Jewish boy against all odds, and finds his perspective fundamentally altered. The characters are unique and dynamic, 
the plot is twisting and utterly entrancing, carrying you from horror, disgust, even tears that the cruelty people are capable of, then will likely make you cry again at the hope and compassion that is possible even in the darkest moments. Recommended for high school age readers due to violence, this book changes lives. Tune in next time, where we'll explore the important ecological happenings right here in Howard County, just in time to celebrate Earth Day.